Golf and rock and roll? Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway Don't want no hackers to get in my way The boys and me got a big NASA going We were born to drive It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love to play. Because I love it. Hello. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, Rich B. Hey, Rich. Hey, the uh, fairways are moving a little slow out there on I-4 today, so take your time, relax, and we will entertain you for an hour here tonight. Absolutely. And uh, hey, National Golf Day. Happy National Golf Day. Did you know that, Rich B? Hey, I hit balls today. You hit balls? I did. In honor of? National Golf Day. Yeah, which uh, is a coalition of golf's leading organizations under We Are Golf, hosting the event for the seventh year in a row. Industry leaders from uh, our many great associations gathering in the nation's capital to discuss uh, various economic and environmental issues um, with Congress and various Government agencies. Doesn't that sound exciting, Rich Yeah, <laughs> Nothing will get done there for sure. Everybody head for the first tee. Oh, my goodness. And hats off to Brendan Todd, another first-time winner at the Byron Nelson. He looked very good, well in control of his game. Now, uh, And speaking of looking good, how about Mike Weir? Comeback of the year. Former Mike, Masters Mike champion. Weir. Come back of the year, Mike Weir. Come back of the year, Mike Weir. I think maybe, you know, maybe he was, uh, I don't know. Drink, hey, that's a, that's a finish. Uh, drinking some Molson place. Goldens up there in Canada. Second place alone. Getting so, a new attitude about so his golf that, game. That uh, will help his, uh, his uh, earnings this year. Very, you know, well done for uh, Mike Weir. And uh, Kenny Perry. Kenny on fire. Uh, Champions Tour victory at the Regions Tradition at Shoal Creek. And Lizette Salas winning at Kings Mill. The LPGA was at Kings Mill. And the most interesting man in golf winning his national championship on the European Tour, Angel Jimenez, winning the Spanish Open, Rich B. His 21st victory. He's 50 years old. Awesome. Awesome. You know, it, it was uh, Sergio there? Did he? Was he in the field? I believe Sergio was in the field. And, uh, you know, he's... On hell, he's 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 on a roll here. You know, wins his first champions event, wins his national championship. He got married a week ago again, apparently. <laughs> but there is so much news to cover tonight, including uh, the Tiger Woods press conference up at the media day at uh, Congressional in Washington D.C. for his tournament, which will happen in July. And uh, we're going to go to our main man because he was there. Uh, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going? Going great. Uh, did you play up there? First question. 
No, I did not, unfortunately. It would have been great. It was a beautiful day. You are always working too hard, Bob. (laughs) Yeah, no, no time, unfortunately. It was was, uh, a lot going on with Tiger that day, obviously. Uh, He actually was pretty chatty uh, in his news conference. And uh, even though we don't know when when he's coming back, he was, uh, you know, he... uh, he filled up a lot of notebooks, that's for sure. He sure did. And I thought, um, you know, he just said some very, for Tiger, revealing things. Um, I don't know, you know, what your your biggest takeaway was from it. But I, I found Tiger, you know, obviously he's listening to his doctors. Um, he said, you know, back injuries are no joke. And having just spasmed my back out a couple of weeks ago, I have a new appreciation for that when I was in the gym, and it took me an hour to get up off the floor. So these back things can be pretty serious. Uh, what you know? What were your impressions? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get the sense that there is, there is a, uh, a feeling like there's no point in rushing this. And uh, even though he is not saying anything about, you know, crossing off tournaments yet, I think you can read between the lines that uh, – you know, it's it's going to be a little bit longer than it is shorter. Uh, and and uh, you know, another thing that he said was that he he that was revealing was he feared for his career before he had the surgery. I mean, he was in such bad shape. I guess there after Doral, um, you know, prior to the surgery, which would have been done, I guess, oh maybe two three weeks later, uh, that uh, you know he wondered if he had a career in golf. That's how bad he felt. You know, he had a hard time getting around. He couldn't get out of bed. Um, you know, he certainly couldn't swing a golf club. And, you know, obviously, the, I'm, you know, there, there's not been a whole lot of detail, but you can imagine that that his team did its homework. They, they researched this. They decided this was the way to go. Uh, he's been assured that he'll be able to come back. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a quick return. I mean, just he's not going to just get cleared one day and all of a sudden, two weeks later show up at a golf tournament. I just would, don't think that that is how this is going to play out. Well, I know there are a couple of other players on tour that have had similar surgery. Um, I believe Graham Dillette, uh had some back surgery. Is that true? Right, he did. He had the same operation. I believe it was in 2011. Uh, now, the feeling is, is that Dillette's situation was worse than Tiger's. Uh, at least that's sort of how you, you gauge it. He was he was in really bad shape and, and was basically talking about doing this for quality of life issues. But, of course, you know, I think you kind of get from Tiger that it was maybe the same for him. Uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't getting around very well and being able to do much. Dillette, it actually took him almost a year. Uh, he did try to return uh, four, five, five, six months after the surgery. He had his in January, and he tried to play a couple of events in June of that year, and I believe he ended up playing four over the summer and just didn't feel good about it, felt that he couldn't go after it, was a little timid. I don't know if it was a mental thing or it actually was still to the point where he was like, you know, I just don't feel right swinging full out, and so then he shut it down again until the following year. So, you know, Tigers was obviously later than that, end of, end of March, um, you know, I don't know that it's going to take him till next March to get back, but I mean, I think to get back for the British Open or even the the, uh, the PGA Championship, you know, I really think that's being optimistic. I think we might be looking beyond that. 
Well, you know, when when asked by, um, uh, I think, one reporter, you know, uh, when does he hope to get back, I think he said tomorrow. So, you know, we know Tiger's just biting at the bit. He's sort of like uh, California Chrome wanting to get out of the gate, but certainly uh, doesn't want to push it too soon. And as you said, I think having faced uh, the fear of his career being in jeopardy, that was probably quite uh, quite an eye-opener. Yeah, you know, he said, he did say he wishes he could play now, but he can't. That was the thing that he added, but I can't. And, you know, I get the sense that if they cleared him, he couldn't swing, swing full right now. I mean, you know, we don't know this. Nobody nobody saw him try to do it. But I, you can kind of just tell by the body language, by the seriousness, um, you know, I would have thought there would have been a lot more optimism, like, hey, I'm close. I'm close to being able to hit full shots. That's not what he said, you know. And, uh, you know, he he intimated that, you know, over the next few weeks, we'll see how this goes. Well, over the next few weeks, you know, obviously that takes you right up to the U.S. Open. If he's not hitting full shots by then, then I think it makes it hard for him to be ready for the British Open. I mean, it's it's not just the – it's not just the uh, – um, you know the ability to hit to hit all the clubs and swing freely. It's then and then then it's like getting your game back in shape. And so uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. But uh, you know I, I think taking the patient approach is good. And you know he's come back from injuries before from swing changes. Now, you know if, if he can get back from this and feel 100, percent I don't see any reason why he can't get back to playing really good golf. But I think you have to be patient with this. And we have to keep in mind, he did win five times last year. And yep. when you saw him go down on his knees at the tournament, you thought, I, you know, I, I had a thought right there, well, like, wow, this could be it. And then you know, the fact that he played through that tournament and almost won, um, it uh, was a Barclays. Uh, right. You know, I mean, that in itself was, uh, you know, <laughs> amazing. So I don't think we should count Tiger out for a minute. Turning to Colonial, no. what do you see this week shaping up? Well, uh, got Adam Scott in the field, the newly minted number one, uh, actually decided to add this event. He wasn't planning on playing it. Uh, I think he realized that, you know, his, his very, very limited schedule wasn't doing him a whole lot of good right now. You know, he, uh, he was, you know, the way he had it set up is he was only going to play the, the, the players championship and the, and the memorial before, before the U.S. Open. So, Wants to get another tournament under his belt, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he performs because, um, you know, I think that number one ranking could be changing hands a few times. It's going to be very volatile, and, um, you know, he's another guy. You know, it's, sort of, it's sort of in keeping with the year. You know, there's just not been a lot of great play or certainly not great results out of the top names. Well, I think he's had, what, seven starts and three top tens? Um, but certainly uh, some disappointing finishes in both uh, the Masters and and the TPC. How about Jordan Spieth? Were you a little surprised last week? Uh, what do you you know the Texas boy? Uh, we should be looking at him this week, I think, and possibly yeah. Zach Johnson as well. Yeah, I think uh, that doesn't surprise me that much with Spieth. I, I gotta believe he ran out of gas a little bit. I mean, he was talking a good game, but you know, you're in contention. You're you're leading it. Uh, or, or near the lead the entire time at the Players' Championship, it's got to take something out of you. And, 
you know, the thing I kind of fear for him right now is playing a lot. He played the players this week, last week, uh, this week at the Colonial. Obviously, uh, you understand why he's from there. He's going to play these Texas tournaments. And then he's uh, on board for the Memorial next week. So um, it's, um, it's a lot of golf. And then a week off, I guess, before the U.S. Open. It seems to be like, this seems to be a lot of golf. And, um, you know, that's something he'll learn. He'll learn what he can handle and what he can't and, and what works and what doesn't. So, um, but, so no, I'm not surprised that he, that he, uh, that he had a bit of an off week. And, and as you mentioned, Zach, I think he's, he's a great pick for this week. And he's played really well at this tournament. He's got the course, the tournament scoring record. Uh, it's kind of an ideal, uh, ideal place for him. He's won twice and has three other top ten finishes in the last five years. I'd say that's a ga- a course you feel pretty good on. Hey, so, Boo Weekly's trending up. Last is. year's champion, past champion. That's right. Good finish at the Byron. What do you think about Boo? Yeah, why not? I mean, the, the, he's you know the ultimate ball striker. It's all about his putting. You know, if he can get the putting going, uh, that's that's the key. That's why he won last year. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, you know, the way this year's going, nothing would surprise me, frankly. I mean, it has just been all over the map with who's won, uh, who hasn't, uh, guys coming out of nowhere, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not Brendan, sure Brendan Todd was on a lot of people's fantasy list last week. <laughs> I mean, he had never had a top five finish on the PGA Tour, you know, and I, I, I can't remember the, I don't know the exact number. It's eight or nine guys who've won this year did so when they were outside the top 100 in the world. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a, an odd year for, in, in that regard. The, uh, even the guys who've won a lot, you wouldn't have thought, uh, Patrick Reed and, and, uh, Jimmy Walker. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought Bubble would have won twice, you know, coming off the year he had last year. And, you know, there just was, you just there was no indication that he was going to all of a sudden put it together, win a couple of tournaments, and uh, including a major. So uh, it's just been a very you know it's been a, a a tough year for prognostications, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, one last question, Bob, is we're headed towards Pinehurst in the U.S. Open. Do you th- how do you think Bubba's going to feel on uh, Pinehurst number two? Yeah, you know I think uh, I think he'll be okay. Uh, the fact that there's not much rough, I think, is good for him. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean it's not an exacting course and that you can just hit it all over the place. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to freewheel it with the driver uh, as much, uh, obviously, as you can at Augusta. He's going to want to. There's going to be some irons off the tees and three woods and five woods there because of because of how how U.S. Open is set up and how it plays, but. You know, he's got those shots, too. And, uh, uh, you know, he had a great philosophy, a great mindset at the Masters. Hit, a, hit as many greens as you can. And that, that one works really well at the U.S. Open. I mean, if he can, if you know, he gets confident with the idea of, you know, it doesn't matter how far I hit it. Just put it in a place where I can get on the green. You know, I, that, that's, that goes a long way. So, uh you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, he didn't handle it two years ago very well. There's a lot of indications that he's prepared to handle winning at this time a lot better. And, I, you know, that, that might be our first really good indication as to how it's going. Absolutely. Colonial this week and Memorial next week. Bob Herrick, ESPN.com, as always. Check him out online. 
And we'll talk to you from Memorial next week in Jack's house. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. Sporting a nice little uh, sunburn on the forehead, Rich. Playing a little golf. How's the game? Taylor made. Uh, Taylor made. You liking uh, those I've, new sticks? Yeah, the uh, the rescue club is just unbelievable. Kind of a pretty easy golf club to hit. You know, it's uh, gets the ball up in the air and it travels. Very nice. So, uh, any tournaments coming up here? Match play. Hey, we've got the Senior Florida Open qualifier at Keens Point. So I'm in. Yeah, I'd love to play that golf course. All right, all in. We're all in with Rich B. You gonna let me carry your bag? No way. <laughs> That's a U.S. Open qualifier. Got to have a caddy. You have to walk. All right. Well, we've got one of our favorites. You know, we love the Golf Channel. We love our insiders who uh, spend a few minutes with us. And uh, this is a man that's been all over the all over the golf planet recently, including he was up at Tiger's press conference at the Media Day Congressional for the Quicken Loans National up in D.C. And uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Damon Hack from Morning Drive. Hey, Damon. What's up, guys? Good evening. How you doing? Doing awesome. Um, your uh, your takeaways from from Tiger's press conference. I know uh, you know you covered him for quite a while when you were at Sports Illustrated Illustrated prior to coming to the Golf Channel, and uh, I know you've. Uh, you know, you've you've been up close and personal with Tiger through much of his career. I found a little softer, gentler Tiger at this press conference and seemed to um, reveal quite a bit about what he was going through. Your thoughts? I think you're right, Holly. I think this is a mature, um, you know, really older, wiser Tiger was realizing that at age 38, he probably can't do the same things he used to do in terms of healing, you know, recovery powers, some of the things he tried to do in his 20s and early 30s. For example, when he won that U.S. Open on one leg at Torrey Pines, his last major win back in June of 2008, this is a a different Tiger realizing that he has to listen to his doctors, listen to his trainers, listen to his body. And I think he used to think maybe he was a little bit invulnerable. I I think life, I think uh, the, the major championship drought, all those things have kind of coupled the, together have made Tiger realize I got to be smarter. Um, he looked good to me. I got a joke to them before he went on the air. I said, you don't look hurt. And he said, I feel good. So I think he is feeling like he's going to come back and, and be the player that he wants to be. I think, you know, while the rest of us and the rest of the media may be panicking about his lack of major championship victories, uh, he did have five last year and was the player of the year. And I think he's going to try to build on that whenever he does come back and see if he can get back in the the winner's circle, and of course, ultimately win that the 15th major championship. Yeah, how quickly we forget in today's world of uh, yesterday's minute news. Uh, I think there is plenty more in Tiger's tank, especially when you asked him the question of when did he want to get back out there, if he if he had the go-ahead, and what did he say? He said today. <laughs> he was laughing, and, and that, that just shows the competitive side of Tiger. It's still there. The, the, the fire, I believe, still burns, and and it's funny. I mean, we look at this season on the PGA Tour and 
and even this season on the LPGA Tour, look at the different winners that we've seen on both tours around the world. Uh, look at the, the people who haven't won yet this year. Keegan Bradley hasn't won. Jason Duffner, uh, he won the PGA last year but hasn't won this year. Uh, Dustin Johnson won early in the fall, has not won since a couple runner-up finishes. It's hard to win uh, on any professional golf tour. And I was thinking about it, and you know, I was reciting Tiger's resume before I went on the air. 14 major championships, 79 PGA Tour wins. You almost take it for granted. Then you get into a season where, you know, you get a Matt Every shocking Adam Scott, and you get a Stephen about it shocking Matt Kuchar. You get some you'll know shocking Keegan Bradley. Like, you know what? It's hard to win on the PGA Tour. Brendan Todd winning last week when there was a good leaderboard of, of veterans like Charles Howell III and Mike Weir and Matt Kuchar. Uh, it's not easy to win, and I think Tiger was so good that he was winning golf tournaments before he got hurt that we kind of forget that, you know what, it, it, he's a special breed, and, and Phil Mickelson as well, guys that win a couple of times a year, uh, they're really, really rare. Yeah, and then you see a guy like uh, Jordan Spieth coming out of the gates here at 20, and, you know, uh, we in the media could be a little harsh uh, in terms of our expectations, but here you have a, a kid that was uh, contending on Sunday at the Masters and, you know, played extremely well at his first Players' Championship. We, we need to be boosting him up, not, uh, you know, bringing him down. Such a great point, Ology. It's funny. We were looking at some of the websites uh, following the, the Masters close call and the players close call. And instead of it was like, you know, this 20-year-old makes an incredible run, it was like, you know, what does Jordan Spieth have to do to close? You know, close, he did win a PGA Tour event at age 19 and, and make it to the President's Cup team. He'll be on the Ryder Cup team this fall. I'd be shocked if he wasn't there. Uh, and you're right. That, I think that's a little bit of the, the breathlessness of the golf media sometimes to anoint that next Tiger Woods. I, I have news for you. There's not going to be another Tiger Woods maybe for 20, 30, 50 years. I think you can have a lot of good players, a lot of great players, and a lot of Hall of Fame players. And Roy McIlroy seems to fit the bill. Bubba Watson is on his way to a Hall of Fame career. But to expect someone to suddenly come out and be 20 years old and to dominate and to win major championships at the clip of a Tiger Woods, you know, the next Nicholas went through the same thing. You know, Bobby Clampett was going to be the next Nicholas, and Hal Sutton was going to be the next Nicholas. And I'll tell you what, Tiger Woods was the next Nicholas, and, and maybe 20, 30 years down the road, we'll have the next Nicholas slash Hogan slash Tiger. I, I completely agree with you. Well, a lot of uh, things going on over there at the Golf Channel, including a new big break Florida champion, Jackie, Stot- Jackie Stoutling. Is that uh, how you pronounce yeah, her Jackie's- name? Jackie Stolting, she won uh, Big Break Florida, Amelia Island, uh, ladies only. Really uh, check out Fiamma uh, in a big way on the Monday finale. She's a, a player on the Symmetra Tour, so she's a, a young player already in the early part of her professional career. And it's funny, she had to hold the secret that she won for several months, keep it from family and friends, all the while the show was playing out and she knew she had won. But you could tell by the finishes she was having on the, on the Symmetra Tour that she kind of got a little bit of a bounce from, from winning the competition. And we had her in studio, and she talked about the confidence that you gain when you when you survive a gauntlet like that. And sure, it's a television show, but you're having to start and stop, and there are cameras and there are skills competitions, and you know there's a, an LPGA uh, exemption for a tournament at the end of it. And, and of course, you know, prizes and, and cash and, and equipment deals and that kind of thing. And I think that the Jackie and from Tommy Ganey and Two Gloves, who's now a PGA Tour winner who won the – the big break a while ago. Uh, Matt Every was on the big break. He's a PGA Tour winner. I think we're seeing that these players that go through the experience actually have a pretty good uh, time 
uh, when they do turn pro, and some of them actually find some success when they make it out to the big time. Yeah, fantastic concept. It's life-changing, no doubt about it. She's uh, from Vero Beach and attended Florida Southern, so uh, right here from the Sunshine State. And you've got a new event that's coming up in November, right, uh, where you're bringing all the, ba- the past champions together? That's right, big break, invitational, 40 players, 20 men, 20 women, all from past big break episodes. In fact, Tommy Ganey will be competing in it. Jarena Pillar, who is on the Solheim Cup team for the U.S., she'll be competing in it as well. These are, these are players that have made it. They made it big, and they want to uh, go back and, and still compete, and they, they feel like the big break gave them a big break and a great opportunity, and they want to kind of give back. And they're also just competitive uh, folks that want to compete and, and win uh, a big break against a bunch of players that have proven that they can play some golf. And there's great golf played around the, the, around the world and around the country, and you can talk about the mini tours and the web.com tour and, and the e-golf tour and the Hooters tour and all that. I think there are a lot of different breeding grounds, but I think it's neat that on Golf Channel and the Big Break franchise has been so successful and to bring a lot of familiar names back that the fans and viewers love to see and put them all in one big competition over four days at Reynolds Plantation in Georgia, about an hour uh, outside of Augusta and an hour outside of Atlanta, kind of smack uh, dab between the two towns. There will be a lot of people watching and wanting to see who can uh, survive that four-day event of of 40 players uh, going head-to-head. You know, I'm going to throw a little curveball in there. Now, we had a young gal. Qualify for the ladies' U.S. Uh, qualifying round. Uh, Lucy Lee. How old is she? Eleven. Lucy Lee. <laughs> Eleven. Eleven. Eleven years old. It's unbelievable. This is a player that won uh, her qualifier out at Half Moon Bay in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and she's basically a player that's been playing for about four years uh, under the tutelage of Jim McLean, who's the famed golf coach down in Doral. And he walked into her office with her family four years ago and. They said, hey, I want you to see my little girl swing. And they were like, he was like, you know what, I don't think this is a great idea. He watched her swing and said, you know what, let's uh, let's continue this relationship. So, you know, it's just one of those incredible stories. It's Lexi Thompson qualifying uh, at 12. She was the youngest playing, uh, going to say 2007 at Pine Needles, the U.S. Women's Open. You had Morgan Pressel before that as the youngest qualifying at 12 and playing at the age of 13. You know, it's the Jordan Spieth factor. It's the, it's the Scotty Scheffler factor. He played uh, as a 17-year-old and did very well at the Byron Nelson last week, finished tied for 22nd, had a hole-in-one, had three rounds in the 60s. So I remember you know, Jim McLean over the last year or so has, has tweeted a little bit about Lucy Lee. This is a young player who also won the drive chip and putt championship, the 10 and 11 age group at Augusta National on the Sunday before the master. So they're coming from all over, and I tell you what, these, these young players are ready to do great things, clearly. So, so great for golf, and another example where an event like the drive, chip, and putt, you know, is is grooming more players. Um, how old? You've got triplets, right, Damon? I do. There'll be three uh, in June, so that's next month. I was just talking to so, my wife a little while ago. We're, we're in the throes of planning their third uh, birthday party. So, yes, uh, well, my boys take golf lessons. They take them uh, once a week, and they're already – uh, loving the game whenever we're by a golf or by a golf course. One of my boys or all of them will say, "Dig goes the bunker." Well, you got so you, already you, getting, you got you got <laughs> you got little by little. You got eight years to get them ready for you know for that <laughs> exactly, qualifying. Exactly, you got to start them young, right? That's the next Tiger Woods right there. <laughs> oh, absolutely, exactly. awesome, awesome. Well, Damon, uh, we just love the Golf Channel and so lucky to have it right here in Orlando. And I know you've got uh, a special on Payne Stewart coming up, right? We do, we do. I tell you, there's been such a, a buzz about some of the documentaries produced by uh, 
the NBC and Golf Channel family. And, of course, we lost Payne back in 1999, really shortly after he won that U.S. Open at Pinehurst. There's going to be so much uh, uh, just look-back stories, uh, you know, reflections on an incredible life of a three-time major champion and, and really a U.S. Open uh, with Tiger and Phil and VJ and Davis Love and, and all these great players that were in the mix that a lot of us will never forget. Absolutely. That was uh, Bring quite back an the open. Knickers. Yeah. Yeah, the Knickers. Yeah, with the sharp dresser. Wasn't he? Nothing like him. All right. Thank you so much, Damon Hack. Host of Morning Thank Drive. Catch it up every morning, seven days a week, bringing us the best news in the golf business. How about triplets? Triplets. Man, oh, man. Does this guy get his hands full? <laughs> Gotta love it. You're listening to the Golf Insider, 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Golf Talk. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play a pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G along with Rich B. And the Crown Plaza Invitational at Colonial Country Club. Dallas-Fort Worth, Rich B. Beautiful part of the country. Lone Star State. And they have everything big in Texas. Everything is huge. Everything big. And we're going to go to a golf insider who has covered golf in the Texas state for 25 years, written for a number of newspapers as well as Texas Golfer Magazine, and he knows all about golf there in Dallas-Fort Worth. James McAvee, welcome to the Golf Insiders. Well, hello there. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Well, you know, of course in Florida we think about having the hotbed of uh, PGA players. Uh, you know, and it's California and Arizona. But there's this whole big collection of just great golfers that have come out of the great state of Texas, uh, including one who's been getting a lot of attention recently, Jordan Spieth. Uh, of course, one of the greatest golfers in history, Ben Hogan from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. What is it about Texas that uh, gives us such great golfers, Jim? Well, I, I think part of it is, uh, I guess they learn to play in the wind is one of the factors. And, of course, the state's pretty big, so we have a few more golfers coming around, too. So, And uh, even some of the uh, Aussies and other people have located to our area because of the convenience of flying different places uh, just like they have uh, you know you got Florida like you say in Arizona Texas is a lot of them do come here for that reason only well they were in uh, Houston earlier in in the year and of course the Byron Nelson last week and um, this year, I mean, this week they're at Colonial. Tell us a little bit about the golf course and what we can expect and who you see it favoring. Okay. Well, again, the um, Colonial, of course, is a little different than the TPC last week. Uh, it's a, a, a private club, of course, and it's right in there with all the trees. It's a lot tighter and so forth. And it, it just seems like uh, the veterans have had an edge here. Lately on that type thing, uh, it's more of a ball striking rather than just a long ball. 
uh, you have to be able to move the ball. Uh, sometimes you may not be able to always hit the driver to position to the right area of the fairway that you want to on the type thing. And, and so that, that makes a difference on from that area. And then I was just talking to Hunter Mahan earlier, and he, he pointed at a little difference here that the Colonial Greens have a lot of little subtle breaks in them, and it takes time for um, some of the pros to learn all the breaks and so forth, and the ones who have been around playing it anymore seem to, seem to be the ones that can get the, get the breaks down right and so forth. You know, Holly, you don't want me to go with this uh, interview because I'm going to go right to the Ben Hogan story. The best part of Colonial is its history, you know, oh, yeah. uh, and, and some of the great golf and great golfers that have come out of there. You know, and and there's one thing is, uh, you know, an older golfer that I enjoy is hearing the Ben Hogan story. Come on, you got to have one there for us, an old Ben Hogan story. Well, uh, yes, I, I can remember uh, when they had the uh, – Colonial wide open, and of course Hogan. Hogan was uh, uh, had had his in Hogan golf equipment too, and I had always heard that you know that he was sort of a little distance and so forth. But uh, I was quite surprised uh, when we went over there that uh, one day for a, some kind of a press conference after the wide open, and he was one of the remarkable things he was able to call some of us riders by our names so somebody was pointing and pointing it out to him and so forth and he was he was definitely uh you know uh in his later age age there uh, quite a friendly man who could do things and uh, the other story that that i've heard of course from the from the golf course there at shady shady oaks is that he would sit there at lunch you know and there were still a lot of the members still who wouldn't go over to to uh, say anything to him as he enjoyed his lunch. So he did have that sort of air about him that he was a little distanced. But uh, I found later later in his this was after he sort of had already his playing days. So uh, he was quite a different man as a businessman as with the Hogan Company. Yeah, I guess there's uh, irons are start are going to be making a comeback or something. Well, yes, the uh, the Terry Kohler, who who now has an, another small company down in Victoria, has bought the rights to it, and uh, of course he worked for Hogan back then, and they they're actually moving to the old Hogan facility there, and going to be building clubs back in Fort Worth, so uh, and they're going to have the the you know the Ben Hogan name, and he's he's uh, it sounds like it's going to be a a great thing there for. You know, returning his name to the forefront with his with his club because he always prided himself uh, in doing that. Uh, I remember Eldridge Miles, a pro over in the Dallas area, who told me the story about the first production run of his irons, where he refused to accept them because they weren't up to his standards on type thing, and uh, so they had to delayed shipping the clubs because he, his first batch didn't turn out like he wanted them, and he, he was inspecting them and just didn't feel like they were up to his name. So, Well, that, that sounds like a true champion, which uh, Ben Hogan uh, certainly was. 
Uh, James, we're going to let you go. We appreciate your time, but, but before we do, who do you see hosting the trophy on Sunday, if you were to pick? Okay. Hard to go against Zach Johnson, who has won twice in the last five years, was third, fourth, and fifth in the other three years. And I, I look for somebody, a veteran like that, and my sort of uh, one that I feel like it might challenge Zach is Jim Furyk. He's, he seems to be on his game, and the course I think would fit, fit his game real well. So, All right. Zach Johnson and Jim Furyk. James McAvee, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with the Golf Insiders. 740 The Game. We'll be right back with more Golf Talk. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good eyesight, I'll be all right. I got my dentures shining bright. I got a deaf right ear for those golf carts I can steal. Well, With that? The Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Holly G, along with Rich B. Rich, your head is still spinning about this Lucy Lee. You know, uh, when what I was, a cutie. When I was 11, uh, yeah, I think I had the, the, the baseball card and the spoke in my <laughs> Schwinn. <laughs> you were still probably on training yeah, wheels, Rich uh, B. That was as Let's good as it honest. got for me. That, uh, this kid, it's amazing how what a great golf swing she has. She was at cute as a button. Yeah, she was at uh, the uh, Augusta National for, for the, the drive chip and putt. She yeah. won the ten and eleven year old division really, for the girls. Really, confident, good looking golf she's, swing. Yeah, it's incredible. And she's uh, she was at uh, the the qualifier out at Half Moon Bay, and she's all decked out. She's got this Holly, adorable. You were doing jump rope over there and hopscotch yeah, on the sidewalk I, at eleven. I've Who got, are you kidding? I know with the. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, with my chalk and, oh, my gosh. And I certainly didn't have, uh, I had, you know, probably jeans and, you know, a sweatshirt on, not this cute little adorable outfit. She had these little American flag tights on. And, and a, whose idea was it to red, put her? red, white, and blue jumper. Put her in the U.S. Open uh, qualifier for the women's. Qual- yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. Well, that's maybe a, we can go to our gimmick. maybe we can go to our college expert. Yeah. Where's where's she going to play college golf maybe, maybe he's got some thoughts on this and, and also the uh, – NCAA championships, both the men and women, uh, wrapping up here in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to Lance Ringler, our college expert from Golf Week. Hello. Howdy, everyone. How you guys doing? Doing great. I know you're out at uh, the women's uh, NCAAs. What's happening there, Lance? Well, I'm out here in Windy, Tulsa, where the second round is just com- being uh, completed here at Tulsa Country Club. And uh, 36 holes down, 36 to go. And uh, is it the uh, Lady Sooners that are uh, in the mix here? It absolutely is. Oklahoma has, is a little bit of a surprise just because they they uh, aren't one of the the, the the normal suspects that tend to uh, win these women's championships. Oklahoma's never won a women's championship, but they're a very good team. Four seniors uh, finished the year last year ranked number four in the country. Uh, they finished this this group in the last two years has finished first or second in over half of their starts. So they're a really good golf team. Uh, they, they haven't quite played as well as people might have expected them to this year. But for them to be in the lead here is not really a stretch or a surprise, considering there is two hours from Norman. 
they're used to the type of grass we're playing on. They're used to the windy conditions. And like I said, it's a veteran group who, um, who, know, who knows how to get things done. So, you know, they're, they're our leader right now by three shots over over Duke, who everyone's familiar with in the women's game. And then right behind, you know, Duke, Arizona State, UCLA, Arizona. So, um, you know, defending champs, Southern Cal's right there tied for four. So, yeah, it's just uh, lining up to be a really, really – Exciting two days, I think. What is it about the West Coast teams right now, especially uh, you know for the for the women uh, championship? That's uh, having them play such good golf and rise to the top. Well, you know what, Holly, it's kind of it's not just now; it's kind of the history of the game. I mean, you've you've had Arizona State, who's probably the most storied. Pro- well, not probably. Well, overall, you know, Duke's been good, you know, in the last fifteen years. But Arizona State, you know, San Jose State back, you know, Julie Inkster. Back in the day, Pat Hurst, you know, or you go back, you know, they're the ones. So the West Coast is always the Pac-12, you know, UCLA, USC, Arizona, Arizona State, you know, and then it's even stretched into Washington and and Stanford. So you know, it's just it's just a very good conference, very good golf conference, and it's not hard to attract players from around the world to those campuses, and um, you know, they're just they're just better than most. <laughs> Well, uh, we were talking about this Lucy Lee, who qualified for the U.S. Yeah. Open, age 11. Uh, what are your thoughts on <laughs> She's this already getting phenom? Mail. She's getting mail. Are they are they already sending <laughs> coaches out to look at her? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she's not. I'm sure that if she's got a standing offer on a full ride anywhere she wants to go right now, uh, I'm not, there's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, really, really interesting story. A lot of different angles. I, you know, I, I've had the privilege this week of spending a lot of time with Beth Ann Nichols uh, here with us, the LPGA writer for Golf Week. And, uh, you know, she was on top of the story, and it's really neat because you know you think about 11 years old. That is that that's just amazing that she can even you know. Com- compete at all and to be able to compete at that level but you know i've also heard some other people talk and brought some good points up about you know the qualifying distance was you know 6200 yards or so and and should the distance be more accurate to what they're actually going to see when they get to the u.s open which is more like maybe 67 6800 yards so if the course had played that long would an 11 year old be able to to get through a qualifier so i've heard a lot of different sides of it's interesting definitely there's no doubt she's a talent and it's it's really good And, and i've talked to some college coaches who said I, I, I expect her to maybe come close to making the cut and certainly beat some pros. So you just you know, there's just so much to digest around an eleven year old playing in the US Open that it's just it's just crazy. Hey Lance, you know what that says now? That says uh, uh spring break is coming. Get your kids signed up for a golf camp and uh you know, you might have a chance for your child to go to a college, you know, play on a high school team, something like that. You know, that's a that's a that's a great intro. You know, you see the kid. You know, this kid's got a bright future ahead of her. And a lot of great, oh, a lot of great summer programs all around the country. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, there's just there's a you know, golf's a great sport, and and I think a lot of people get you know in our youth today they get sucked into the the soccer, the basketball, the baseball, and if we could start getting more of those athletes introduced to the sport of golf, I think they would see that that might be a more viable option and give them an opportunity to maybe to get their uh, their their college paid for going that route. Well, and certainly the success of the drive, chip, and putt and more events like this uh, to introduce kids to the game and get them to see the, the fun of it. You know, I, I mean, she here she won her, you know, age bracket, and I'm sure that gave her a little boost. We were talking earlier uh, about the big break and, and uh, the winner there having this great success on the Symmetra Tour. It gives them a level of confidence um, playing on that, uh, you know, those series of stages. Right. Yeah, and, and you know what, the thing, too, about, about golf, especially on the, what well, we're seeing on the men's side as well, but 
these kids at such a young age are exposed to 30 players. seconds, Lance. Sorry. Yeah, these, they're exposed to players who have competed at higher levels, and it just trickles down. You know, we talk about Jordan Spieth being well, that trickled down to Scotty Scheffler, and Scheffler plays well last week on the PJ Tour. There's no doubt Lucy has seen some of her peers a few years older that have competed, and you know, there's, there's just it's just a trickle down effect. And, 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 and the athletes today, they're ready to go at an early age. Well, we're always ready, dear, and we appreciate Lance Ringler giving us the inside scoop on college golf. We'll talk to you next week for the NCAA men's. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, Holly G and Rich B. We're out of here. Thanks for listening.